Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. your neighbor and bless them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, team. Max, would you keep a little going there? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Let's just keep receiving right now. He's here. He's here. He's here. Whatever you need, you know, love, joy, peace, understanding, wisdom, he's here. It's interesting when I just heard some, some you just need a sign. You just need a sign. Got good news to you. There's one that hears your heart cry. And there's one who loves so much that when you take one sm- small step towards him, he'll leap universes to get to you. He is never far from any one of us. In him we live and move and have our being. Just before I call my friend up now, Lord, I just want, we just want to pray for Austin. We want to pray for renewal for Austin. We pray particularly for the millennials, Lord, the generations that follow. We ask, Lord, that you would release the spirit of revival. That no matter what, they are in and what they have done that you would flood them with your love thank you for breaking 
the spirit of suicide. Thank you for breaking hopelessness. Thank you that you are still the God who in the valley of Acor, the valley of trouble, that you open the door of hope. I pray for your ecclesia. I pray for your called out ones. That there would be not only a hearing, but a responding to your call. I pray right now in this moment that you would begin to speak. And I pray for a missional movement to be released. I pray for those that feel, for every intercessor, Lord, I pray that you give them strength to birth. I pray for every discouraged evangelist that you would now flood them again, fill them again with the power of the gospel. Anybody want to get in on that? Just, Lord, would you remove the shame of the gospel from off my life? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles being released. Any part of this package you want, maybe just stretch your hands up for it. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Thank you, Lord, for breaking assignments of discouragement against prophetic people, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are still the God that sees us. That you reveal yourself to us. That even before we cry, you answer. Before we even ask, you have the answer already on the way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Also, just right now, I want to encourage us just to pray out right now, corporately. Can we pray out as a church right now? Do you pray in English, Spanish, whatever your language is, pray in the Spirit. We just want to just pray right now corporately.
for the sick that are amongst in the body. Pray that the spirit of fear that comes with COVID would be dealt with. And that God would begin to release across our nation and across the world healing and antidote. Thank you, Father. We ask even right now that you break the rod of the oppressor, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This is interesting to me, Megan. You are the only one standing. And that is your place. As you did that, I heard the scripture, you're standing between the living and the dead. Oh, oh, oh. I just see massive amount of the spirit of grace and supplication being poured on you. You are a, a seer. You're, you're not much, this is going to sound bad, this is the way it's just coming out. You're not much of a speaker, but you are a, a seer. But the Lord is going to loose your tongue. The Lord is going to loose your tongue. Because we need, we need to know what you're seeing. Thank you, Father. Blessed are your eyes because they see. We thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just take a deep breath together. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. More, Lord, more. More joy. More love. More of your goodness. More of your glory. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Last night when I retired for the night, I was, I was tired and felt challenged and had a good rest and awakened. And uh, I was just praying in to what to happen this morning. And so clearly I heard um, to have uh, my long-term friend and brother in the Lord, Steve Warner, when he first saw me at a, at a conference in Tennessee, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> and you know, maybe I am a little crazy. <laughs> I'm okay with that. 
And uh, the Lord ended up uniting our hearts because I went to his church, not on his invitation. <laughs> it was when we were homeless, all right? I was actually fishing at the Lake Texoma Dam below it, and he, his missions pastor, who was a friend of mine from way back in Bible college, said, hey, we want you to come to Grand Island and do a missions weekend, which was two services, three services and done, right? And, but that weren't done. They came at midnight and said, can you keep going in the meetings? And we just saw the spirit of revival just come into that church. And in that, those revival meetings, our hearts were knitted. And there was a release of revival up and down that Platte River Valley. And the fruit that remains to this day. So, Steve, would you come? Thank you, Jeff. What a delight. What a delight to be with hunger. I believe that on this day, there's a threshold before us. And there's a calling up to a higher place. I don't want to jump in too heavy, too quick. I'd like to tell some stories. The Jeff anointing's on me. <laughs> uh, some of you have heard me tell, as a pastor of a very dignified church, matter of fact, it's my goal to make this church dignified because they had a reputation that they had satellites out front and they had a baptismal that was a jacuzzi and they had wild parties in the jacuzzi and showed all kinds of things on their screen and I took this church decided you know these crazy people they they, they pray all nights so and day and night speaking those tongue things and they needed to make this dignified somebody kept laying tapes on my desk of this guy named Rodney Howard Brown Somebody with a key to my office, which really made me mad. Because somebody in my church is crazy. I'd take them home, watch them, throw things at the television while they were going on. Good friend of mine called me and said, hey, I'm going out to this Rodney Howard Brown meeting in St. Louis. You need to come with me. I said, no, I'm not going. Holy Ghost says, yeah, you are, go. Like, so I went to my board meeting that night, and I said, listen, I'm going to go to this meeting for three days. You guys are going to pay for it. And I'm going to come back next Sunday and preach against this thing because this thing is just stupid. Got to the meeting. I'll, I'll try to shorten this as much as possible. Got to the meeting. Had my little yellow pad out writing notes about everything that was wrong with the meeting. Couldn't, the guy couldn't preach. The guy took an hour for the offering. By the way, give some offering today. This ministry is a phenomenal, fruitful ministry. So into every ministry you can that has fruit behind it. When you find a fruitful ministry that encourages and strengthens the body of Christ worldwide, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. I can say that because I'm not getting paid today. Uh, get to this meeting. 
I'm sitting, long story, but they're, they're praying for a group of people in an aisle behind me. I'm sitting on the back row of the front section. I got, got there late. I'm sitting there. I'm hating every bit, minute of everything that's going on. Rodney Hard Brown comes around. He, he stands, p- pulls around in front of me, out of his way, looks at me and kind of shakes his head like, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Laid his hand on my shoulder and sucked every bit of anointing out of me I've ever had. Literally. One minute I'm an anointed man of God who's heard the voice of God all my life. And the next minute, I'm, I'm empty. I'm nothing. I can't hear his voice. I, I, I don't know where he went. God, I don't know where you went. I cried myself to sleep that night. The next day, there was a guy. We're in the meeting. I had my little pad out. I was making all kinds of good, good notes about what was wrong with his meeting. One of them was that this guy's a warlock, and he knows how to suck the anointing out of men of God and give it out as his own. It's on my list. There was a man, that, they had a bathroom right over in this area, and there was a man trying to get to the bathroom, but he was paralyzed on his left side but under the Holy Ghost. He was, so he was trying to crawl across the, they had this stupid rule, it's on my list, you, you can't help somebody up off the ground. Like, that's dumb. I mean, ushers, get up here. This poor guy is trying to get to the bathroom, and you can see he's looking over the bathroom. I'm sitting about right here. He's trying to get to the bathroom. He's crawling in a circle because his left side's not working. So his right side's working, and he keeps going around. So finally, this guy's got a neat little tie on, so he pulls his tie out, and he lays his tie over toward the bathroom. And then he crawls until he can't see his tie anymore. And then he stops, and he pulls his tie back out. And he lays his... And this guy is going all the way across the front of... It is painful for a pastor to watch somebody struggle. And I said, God, that is so wrong. For the first time in 24 hours, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, Steve, would you do that to get to me? And the stupidest answer on the planet, you wouldn't ask me to. And he left again. And I cried myself to sleep that night. I got to the meeting the next night. Now I'm sitting in the second. We get, uh, long story, we get there two hours early, which is on my list. You shouldn't have to wait two hours to get into church. That's stupid. <laughs> it's a wide center aisle. We, we, we figure out that Rodney Hart Brown picks on the people on the second row right there where you are and, and just loves to pick on people right there. So we came two hours early so we could get that chair. Ten minutes before service, they were, they were packed, so they decided they were going to put chairs in the aisles. So no longer did I have my, my seat I waited two hours for. Now there are two more people, three more people in the aisle, and they, they sit this guy that just got off a plane from Hungary, can't speak a word of English, doesn't know what in the world's going on. All he knows is when he sits down, the Holy Ghost hits him, and he's falling over in my lap laughing, which is the stupidest. He smells like another country. He's shoving this guy up. By this time, my wife thinks this is the, the, the Holy Ghost is hitting her. She's under the pew in front of us, making a scene for everybody, which is on my list. I've never seen my wife act this way. In the middle of this service, the Holy Spirit comes and he speaks. So gently. He said, why don't you get out your little list? I knew I was in trouble when he said little list. I said, why don't you write down predictability? I know what you're going to do next Sunday, and it's boring to me. 
don't you write down respectability? You came with your $300 hand-painted Italian tie and your three-piece suit to sit in a chair, chair to impress all people. And you haven't impressed me a bit. Lose the respectability. Somebody got a really nice $300 hand-painted Italian tie that day. I took it off. I just threw it. Why don't you write down independent spirit? Because every time I tell you to do something, you won't do it. You think you can do it your way. I'm trying to give you instructions, and you, you have an independent spirit. I said, no, I do Okay, I'll write that down. You have a deficient desire. You wouldn't crawl across the floor yesterday to get to me. You have errant expectations. If I did come to your service next Sunday morning, you'd rebuke me. And then the Lord gently just said, listen, I just gave you an acronym. And if you'll deal with that, I'll come visit you at your church. Predictability, respectability, independent spirit, deficient desire, errant expectations. And all of a sudden, the Lord gave me a... My problem wasn't the world. My problem wasn't even the devil. My problem looked me in the mirror every morning. And he said, if you, can, if you can bring this to my feet and let me conquer that for you, I'll make you more than a conqueror. This morning as we were preparing for service, Mike came in. Where'd Mike go? Mike's still around? Yeah, Mike, get up here quick. Mike just shared just real briefly, and I asked him if he would just pray over us today because we're at, a, we're at a threshold, and God's about ready to release something to us to make us go to another level. And I just wanted me to share what he shared just real briefly in that, in that meeting this morning. And uh, then I want you, if, can I just set something up here? Listen, I don't believe in sitting and listening to somebody else interact with the Holy Spirit. I believe every one of us need to be an active participant in everything that God's doing. So in this morning, when, when, you, when you hear the Holy Spirit, you, you, there's something that hits you and you go, oh, that's me. I get it. I, when the mirror has been lifted up and you look in the mirror and you say, that's me. And I, God, you have to change me. I want to conquer this thing in my life. Don't, don't sit back and wait for another time when somebody's going to invite you into that place. I want you special this morning. You have permission in this place. If something hits like that, if a prayer hits, if there's a, if there's a desire that's cre created in your heart by a word that's spoken, and that word hits, I don't want you to sit there waiting for the next thing to come. I want you to jump up. Listen, sometimes you need somebody to help you. You need a conqueror to come stand beside you and, and walk you through that and, and, and agree with you. So there, there's, there's this multiplication of power in, in the agreement. So sometimes you're going to need somebody to do that. Listen, you have shoulders right here, okay? If your hands are up below your shoulders, nobody's going to come pray with you. But if your hands get up in the danger zone right in here, you're, you're open for attack, Okay. So if, if you get into this realm and, and you, you want to, you stand up and you say, I'm not, I'm not going to let this threshold disappear in the middle of this message. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to take the step across this thing right now. You don't have to stand forever. Just stand up and get it, get it done in that moment. Okay. So you can stand up anytime, anywhere, and you could practice right now. Okay. So everybody, if you, oh, whoa, 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 sit down, down. 
I'm going to have Mike pray a word that he gave to us this morning. When he begins to pray, if you, if you want to agree with that prayer, I want you to stand up. If you want somebody else to lay a hand on you, put your hand way up in the air, and we're just going to release that. We're not going to go like 10 minutes. We're just going to go, boom. Listen, when the, when the anointing is there, it doesn't take soaking prayer. Amen. That's so good. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I want Mike to share what he shared with us this morning, and then, and then we're going to jump into this. Okay. So this morning, um, I felt like the Lord wants to give you permission to ask him for more than purity. There's a subtle disillusionment that comes into our lives when all we do is focus on conquering sin. The bride in Song of Solomon, even though her body was darkened from her journey in the world, didn't ask her husband to be clean. She asked him for affection. She asked him for the kisses of his mouth. She asked to be taken into his chambers. David said, if there's one thing I can have, it's not a clean life. I want access to the secret place. So, Father, so Father, I, I ask you to release a grace on us, Lord. You're inviting us deeper, Lord. We choose to step out of the role of your servant who seeks your affirmation. We even, we even choose to step out of our role as sons and daughters who are seeking your inheritance. Father, we choose to step into the place of your bride, and we seek your affection. Take us to the secret place in Jesus' name, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So good, Mike. Woo! Shabba. Somebody got their hand up next to you? Put your hand on it right now and just release that. Father, we release that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not fighting for purity. We've already been given purity. We're not fighting for righteousness. We've received righteousness. Thank you, Father. Okay, you can be seated. You don't always have to sit down that fast. You can stay seated for the standard for the whole thing. I don't care. Here we go. I was reading through Romans. Can I read can I read a little bit? Don't let me read to your brain. Don't ever let me read to your brain. Don't let me speak to your brain. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is written. Who is, it at the, who is at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of, the, of Christ? Shall tribulation? How many of y'all have been fighting Tribulation. Come on. You've been fighting tribute. Wrong, wrong battle. Sorry, I'm, I didn't set you up for that. I, I'm, just, I'm entering into this with you, okay? I'm, I'm confessing to you, when I fight my tribulation, it's the wrong battle. Because my tribulation is given to take my energy away from the thing I'm called to. 
shalt distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. For your sakes were killed all the day long. I, th that's a done deal. How many of y'all, when you accepted Christ, when I, when I accepted Christ the first time, I signed up for the love, joy, peace thing. That's what the, that's what the evangelist was asking. I said, yes, I want that. Then I found out there's another level. That you die. Not once, daily. Moment by moment. You're con conformed into the image of Christ, and that which is not of his image has to pass away so that that which is being formed in you can have preeminence. Yet in all these things, we are just conquerors. Oh, yeah, there, oh. I know what a conqueror is. Conquerors are people that see battles. They can identify a battle from a mile away. They can, they can fight with the best of them. They know when there's a, when there's a hot issue and that, man, this just needs a boost. Back away from the keyboard. I'm talking about somebody. I'm standing up. Both my hands are in the air, okay? Wrong battle. Conquerors consistently choose wrong battles. Because their value is in their conquering. The Lord didn't say we're not conquerors. Hang with me here, okay? Some of you, some of you I already felt your... Never said we're not conquerors. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. That means we're conquerors first. What does a conqueror do? Conquer, a conqueror identifies a battle, engages the battle, defeats whatever it is that's, that's raising its ugly head, and then dances the victory dance over the thing they just conquered. And that's the end. Read the scriptures. In, in, this, this is one that just hot off the press last night while I'm in the middle of service. The Lord said, I want you to look at Revelation and, and look at the word overcomers. Study the word overcomers. With every overcoming, there's a promise. Beyond the conquer, beyond the overcoming, there's promise. If you stop at the, at the conquering, at the overcoming, get up from the battle and dust yourself off and go, we are the champions. Actually, we're champions, but not just conquerors. There's a difference. I asked the Lord, I said, what is, what's more than, more than conquer? He said, champion. What's the difference? They both fight battles. They both win battles. They both hate the enemy. They both are, are, are going to, to discipline themselves in the heat of battle. 
they're going to they're going to to take on the friend their friend's offenses so that they can fight the battle for their friend so their friend is loved deeply any mercy people here i love you i love you i love you i love you i love I love you, 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 I love you. Pick your battles. You you, want to fight every battle. Are are there any conquerors? You've got a a horned helmet at home uh, up above. You've got got an eight-foot sword in your closet. You are... You got a F-450 with stuff. I can walk underneath it. Of course, that's not a big truck. That's just a medium truck. (laughs) The problem and the downside of all of our giftings is that we can often choose the wrong battles. If we know the weakness of each of our, our giftings, we can choose better battles. When we choose better battles, we're more than conquerors. And I'm already way, 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 way ahead. I just got some, well, no, I don't want to hook up to your, to your, oh, there we go, okay. Can I just read some notes, okay? Uh, this is just about prophetic stuff for the for the for the elections. We don't want to talk about that. Every let me just say this: guard your heart, for out of it flow all kinds of good things. But out of it also can flow the attachments to hatred and bitterness and ugliness. An unguarded heart will always choose the wrong battle. Every person involved in every news story has a life, a heart, a family, a destiny. And the one we would see as the darkest individual on the planet is only a bolt of light away from encounter. The influence that they have gathered is because of destiny and favor placed on them by the fingerprints of God in their mother's womb. got really quiet. Have you picked an enemy? You read the news to pick enemies? I just read a a high-level intelligence official, friend of ours, is on an email, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled, prophetic, that walks the hall of the 
He was called aside this week by somebody you know on the... Somebody that you would probably not see as somebody that God could actually speak to or that would have hunger in their heart. But this Holy Ghost individual was called aside by name by this individual and said, you need to pray for us. Because we don't know what to do. Daniel, have you built the relationships with your captor? So that when they're in a dilemma, they can come to you and say, will you pray for me? I know you're a man or woman of prayer. I know you're a man or woman of wisdom. I know that you have a window where you go and speak to God face to face. Will you understand that your battle is, we do not war with flesh and blood. And conquerors will always pick a face. Where the prophets were told, don't look at their faces. Because the word is bigger than their face. Ananias, I want you to go down to a street. There's a man there who has scales on his eyes. What's the battle in, that, in Ananias' story? It's his battle with the face of the one God has just called. And he says, excuse me, Holy Spirit, I know you would never do this. I, I have a bad habit of it. Excuse me, Holy Spirit, let me explain a couple things to you that you probably don't know. That name you just mentioned, not somebody I should pray for. I, I, I don't really even want to be in the same room with them and lay my hand on them because their, their demon might get on me. That's the way a conqueror thinks. I don't want to engage something that's bigger than me. I'll just pick my battle that I see things littler than me. I pick on that. But the fearless conqueror who's championing something larger than himself will take on whatever the Holy Spirit directs him to take on. Ananias, I want you to go down and lay your hands on that man because I've had an encounter with him. Who is it that you wouldn't pray for without an argument? You're a conqueror. You're trying to conquer the Holy Spirit now because you don't like the one he pointed out to, to conquer the spirit that's in them. Am I, am I being too hard? Are you all ready to go to another level? Screen's all fuzzy. Oh, I'm going to skip all this. Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.18. Timothy. <laughs> this charge I commit to you. Anybody here want to be a Timothy? I'll just speak it to all of you. This charge I commit to you. I would be willing to guess that there's probably not a person in this room that has not had 
a dozen prophetic words spoken over you, at least, today. In the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Here, just move your toes back just a hair, because I, I just got to say this the way it is. Listen, your prophetic word has to be bigger than just God likes you. Because if, if your word that you're battling over is no bigger than God likes me, then you're battling God. But if your word that is spoken over you is spoken by one who has developed their prophetic skill to be able to look above what God thinks about that person at the moment or what he's trying to break out of their orphan spirit or their widowhood, all that kind of stuff. If, if the prophetic voice becomes... I, lift your eyes. Listen, you see someone without identity, speak their identity over them. But somewhere in that word, there needs to be a so what? So that... I, as, as Kess was sharing about the, the, the whole tangled umbilical cords and the whole thing, I'm, I'm plugging that into the, the framework of this message. I'm going, yes! Why? Why do we want to untie the cord? Why do we want not want de death in the womb? Why? Because God's raising up a prophetic generation that's going to change the world, and we need every one of these prophets and those that are going to carry this gospel to another generation, because I'm not going to be around long enough. You're going to have to raise up some babies. You see, if your prophetic word doesn't include a, a there's a fingerprint of God on you, yes. What was he thinking? How many of y'all have asked that question? God, what were you thinking? You called me. What's your battle? Your battle's with, I just, I'm not pure enough. I'm not good enough. I'm battling me. And if you don't have a vision that's larger than you, you're always going to continue to go around and around the circle of battling you. If the only song we ever sing is about how he's affecting me, I'm going to move on. Or maybe not. Timothy, I charge you concerning the prophecies that have been spoken over you to war a good warfare. A good warfare. Not a passive, not, not just I want to conquer something. What's the good warfare? When we fight for the good and pleasurable will of the Lord in every life we bring up, in every person we're before, every time we lay a hand, I'm not just laying hands on you to get you a blessing. I'm laying hands on you to call something out of you that you don't know is there yet. You don't even know the, the plans he has for you. 
and, and pr- prophetic people, if, you, if somebody's highlighted to you, please ask the next question. God, what are you doing with them? Why are you trying to redeem their orphan spirit? Why are you trying to get this, this, this widowhood off of them? Why? Show me more. I'm not ready to talk until I'm ready to give them something to war for. Timothy, there's something you should war for, and it's not just about your, your identity and about your stuff. It's not about your tribulation. It's not about your trial. It's not about whatever's going on at your house. Timothy, you've got generations to bridge dream for. I was ministering in Buenos Aires, Argentina. They gathered 1,100 young people, sons and grand, grandsons, daughters and granddaughters of the revival that had somewhat waned a bit in Argentina. They'd exported it to the entire world. But the, the cry of our heart was, God, do it again in Argentina because they, they stewarded it so well. Send it again. Send another wave. These young people are in the, in the room. I have this wonderful message about how we need to steward the things of God and how we have to be obedient and go where God calls us to go and all this. I'm conquering their resistance. They're announcing me, and I'm thinking that this is a really nice introduction. I stand up to go to the platform, and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to talk about elephants. I got nothing. I'm, I'm, scat- I'm, I'm scanning the scriptures that are stored in my brain, and there's nothing. I'm, I'm scanning everything I know about elephants, and I know this much. And I'm, the only thing that can come is a, is a it's, this, it's this stupid documentary I've watched last week on, on some stupid channel because I couldn't go to sleep at night, and I was trying to shut my brain off because old men dream dreams. Sometimes we can't shut them off. So I thought I was just killing time. The old elephants in the dry times know where the water is. They remember. And when the babies are thirsty, they look to the old mama the old papa, they say, could you tell us again where that water was? Somebody like Jeff stands up and tells about corks popping and stuff happening. So you go, I thought, yeah, that's it. The old elephants remember where the water is. They'll go back to that place. And they start stomping the ground until the, until the ground sinks down by the weight of their presence into a place where there's a mud hole and then there's water. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, Holy Ghost, I think you might be saying something to a, to a group of revivalist grandchildren that never got the anointing passed to them the way they needed to. 
There was somebody sitting about where, where uh, my, my <laughs> uh, about built like this guy too. Ran down over to where this guy's sitting, built just like Eddie. Grab him by the hand. I, this big, actually about a foot and a half taller than Eddie. I mean, big. Until he's been at the gym. Grab this guy and say, I, I can't do this anymore. I need somebody to help me. Bring your weight. Bring your energy. Bring your strength. Help me. I grab this guy by the arm, and his eyes roll back in his head, and he slithers out of his seat on the ground. I'm thinking, oh, thanks. You're a lot of help, dude. <laughs> Grabbed another one. They slide out of their seat. They... <sighs> I'm not going to get through this message. Pretty soon all over the place, people started jumping up to their, to their chairs, and these kids are all of a sudden realizing God's calling us another generation. He's calling us to, t to pick up the mantles and the movements that our fathers have, have, have left laying. He, he, they're, they're deposited there for us. We know where they are. We know how to go and stomp on the ground a little bit. We know where to get that stuff. Would you just come with us and stomp a little bit with us? And in the moment that we began to declare that, they started jumping over the pews. They started tearing chairs apart. It, it, was, a it was a melee for the next four hours. Because an old man dreamed a dream. <laughs> you got some gray in your hair. Don't you dare lay down and quit. Not a lot of you guys here. <laughs> a couple of them, Mitch, don't you dare stop prophesying. You got a grandma or grandpa that knows how to pray. Get in the prayer room with them. They know how to stomp the ground. Are we just stomping the ground to stomp the ground or because we believe that there's a vision that's bigger than us? Are we just going to conquer this moment or are we going to champion a move of God for another generation? Are you just fighting the battle that you're fighting right now because the enemy's trying to distract you from the call of God that's been on your life all this time and all the prophets see it and they, they call you out wherever you go and you're going, God, what? when, 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 when are you going to do it? Let's, it? Don't wait for the when. Begin in this moment to dream the dream in prayer. Speak it into the heavenly realm. Declare it into the heavenly realm. Fight the fight over the prophecies that have been spoken over you because the prophecy should be big enough to produce a fight in you. That's my introduction. <laughs> I'm sorry, I made some fresh notes on here, so I'm using my phone instead of my other. Conqueror is a vanquisher, a subjugator, someone who's been successful in a conquest to overcome an obstacle, an enemy, or destruction. But a champion is one who has been declared the winner, someone who's chosen to represent a group of people in a contest they've been successful in. Why are you fighting the battle that you're fighting? Because you're going to lead a, a community. You're going to lead a, a coalition. But you can't do it with a small vision. 
You have to have a large vision to be a champion. What does it mean in a verb to champion something? I see something in you that I cannot ignore. I see something in your destiny that is not small. I see distractions in your life that need to be moved out of the way. And therefore, I will not be silent. Not just because I love you, but I do love you. I, I, I want the best for you, but I want to know why God put fingerprints on you and why have you had so many words spoken over you? But it's not happening. Don't worry about what you want to happen for the many. Fight the battle that's in front of you right now that goes toward that thing that God has put in your heart for a destiny. Fight for the destiny. Fight for the future. Well, I'm supposed to be a king. I, I had this crazy prophet show up in my house. I had, I had this, this horn. It's like something died. To make a covenant. And then God searches and says, who? Who can my covenant be manifested in? And he looks at the big and the strong and the politically connected and the charismatic, study the names. And he says, is there one other? Yeah, there's a little guy that loves the presence. He just sits out there on a rock and slings stones. I don't know if he's ever going to be much. Bring him in. When Samuel saw this, when he said, this is the one. He's going to sit on an eternal throne. I'm going to send one behind him that's going to be greater than him. But I'm going to establish a throne. And David's my man. Pour the oil on him. You see, conquerors would love to win the anointing. To achieve it. To learn it, to gather it. But champions understand the anointing is bigger than something to be obtained or held. When the anointing of God comes on an individual, remember when Elijah saw Elisha? He comes up and he throws the mantle around his shoulder. And he says, what did I do to you? I just ruined your life. Because you can never, never ever be your own again. You're not just going to be one who conquers your battles. I, I just ruined your life. I'm, I made you the champion for kings. They're going to reject you. I made you the champion for the word of the Lord that's going to affect generations and nations. And it's going to take some battles that you don't even know about yet. But I won't let you just be a conqueror going around fighting little battles. I'm going to give you big battles. I'm going to lift up your eyes to another level. 
Because the battles you would choose are not the battles he would choose. Because he's fighting battles for a covenant that, that encompasses nations and generations and ethnos and peoples. When you get up and worship, you can't just worship for the people in the room. I want to sing songs that stir something inside of me that says, God, you've got to be bigger than our, than our circumstances. You've got to be bigger. Your covenant is larger than the expectation that I have in my heart. Sing me a song that increases the awe and the mystery of what God has in his heart and in his hand that's not yet revealed. Because that I can champion. But if I have no larger vision, then you help me and you take care of me. My, my fight dies in unnecessary battles. I have wasted so much energy on fighting stupid battles. And I want to release right now a spirit of, of wisdom and understanding that you would never again choose battles that he doesn't choose for you. That you would not waste your spiritual energy, the anointing that he gave you to break the yoke on breaking things that he's not breaking, on doing things that he's not doing, on healing things that he's not healing at the moment. I pray for a release of wisdom and grace. A discernment to know. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the spirit of discernment. That you, that you d discern between, between this and that, soul and spirit, joint and marrow. You, you discern for us what comes from outside and what comes from inside. Father, release, release the grace and the wisdom of discernment of battles. May we fight battles that take us beyond just conquering to being more than conquerors because you love us and you love the world you called us to. If any man lack wisdom, he can ask of God and God gives liberally and does not withhold. Ask him right now, Father, I need wisdom. I want discernment to increase in my life. I want to fight the battles you're fighting. I want to see what you're seeing. I want to hear what you're hearing. I want to go where you're going. I want to do what you're doing. I, I, I don't want to waste my times and energies on, on battling shadow boxing. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to wear myself out. One of the greatest, the, the greatest boxers of all time, Muhammad Ali, would do a thing he called rope-a-dope. And he would antagonize his enemy that he was going to get in the ring with. And he would so load them up with angst and anxiety that when they got in the room, they would beat themselves silly and use up every ounce of energy, every, every good glove they had, they laid on air. Because he sucked them in by taunting them. And he would, just, he would just protect himself, pull his gloves into himself, and wait for the enemy to stop. And when he felt the blows getting weaker and weaker and weaker, 
about 10 minutes before the bell would ring, Muhammad Ali would stand up and his arms would come out and there would be a flurry of activity that would demolish every bit of strength the enemy had. And he would take people out quicker than anybody else had ever taken them out. And he didn't waste the second, third, and fourth round. Bring me another one. I got things to fight for that are worth fighting for. I'm not going to antagonize the enemy because the Lord says that that, that even the the archangels don't bring bring a railing accusation. But I will not waste my energy fighting demons. They're low-level messengers. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, you know the kingdom of God has come unto you. I know who I am and you know who I am, so stop. Not good. I am not going to engage with my mind what you are trying to do to my spirit. Come up higher. You're not just a conqueror. You are a conqueror. When God is developing a conqueror, he will introduce a lion and a, and a bear and a Goliath. But he, what he wants, when he wants to produce a conqueror, he will introduce you to the person in the mirror. David, this is what's in your heart. David, your hatefulness for the house of Saul, as the reading of the word came, He saw in himself something that had not been conquered. I still hate Saul. And his response to the word was, is there somebody of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? I cannot go to my grave with an unconquered enemy that lives inside of me because I'm more than a conqueror and this is distracting to the anointing that I carry. Wasted way too much energy hating I've wasted way too much energy railing. Wasted way too much energy discussing somebody else's weaknesses. God, I want to become a champion for every young woman, every young man, every child that I come in contact with. I want to champion the anointing that I see on them. Do you take the time to look children in the eyes? What are you looking for? Find something in their eyes to champion. Don't just break off what what, what woundedness is there, what what thing has, has, has been there to tarnish. But look into their eyes until you can see what God had in mind when he put his fingerprints on that little one in his mother's womb. And begin to call out that thing and champion it for the rest of your life. Every time God brings that little one, I have little ones from all over the world that come popping into my mind all the time because I look in their eyes. I want to know who you are. I want to know what God created in you. What's the fingerprints that are on you? What what anointing has God put in you? What crazy person with (laughs) with a horn of oil came and found you? Stop wrestling with them. Stop telling them they don't know what they're talking about. 
they're championing your life. And they love you enough to lovingly confront you and keep you from ruining it. Do you understand this, this whole conquering thing has been used in, in, in this, this accountability movement and this, this whole thing of fathering and, and everything. And, and it's not about breaking my sons so that they can't live the way they're supposed to. It's about enlightening them to the glory that God has revealed in them that is hidden there for those who want to champion their cause. Yes, they're, in, they're incomplete. Yes, they're messy. Father, I'm not going to open my mouth until you open yours. I'm not going to start stop looking until I see what you see. Yeah. Somebody, somebody just recently said, hey, you know, I went to this place where they're throwing axes. They have those in, in Austin. They're throwing axes. And immediately I, I was, see, when somebody tells me about something, they tell me, I try to put myself there, and I'm like, yes target across the room, big heavy axe. Yeah. And then I, I realized I saw pictures on the targets. And I realized this is not a good thing for me. There's something unconquered in me that's not yet been championed. Because I still have pictures on the targets. You can conquer kings and nations. But until you champion, you learn what it means to be a champion, to invest your life in those you will never see the fulfillment of. I'm not old enough to stick around to watch the glory that's going to be revealed in you. leave this room until I've called it out. There's, there's a championing that goes on in my heart when I look at your faces. There's a championing when, when your pastor stands up here, when, when Annie looks at you and, and his conquering spirit comes out and he just wants to rip your head off. Is it conquering or is it championing? Because there'll be two different responses. Conquerors want to break and plunder. Champions want to build and plant. If you need some of this, this altar's open. This altar's open. I want to lay hands on you and prophesy over you. I'm not, I'm not going to pray. You got enough prophetic words. Champion the ones you've been given. You say, I'm stepping into a new place today. I want to move out of just conquering everything that comes across my path. And I want to start championing. While you're coming, come on. Father, in Jesus' name, I release the eyes of a champion. I release the anointing of champions. That never again will they see people and perceive them only as man perceives them. But they will see every individual, every person, every broken one. They'll see them through the eyes of the champion of Jesus who hung on a cross. And for the joy set before him, championed the cause of every man. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
right now. Just receive. There's an anointing that's being poured out. When David was receiving the anointing, he didn't even understand enough about it to be able to react to it. He just stood and received it. There's an anointing, a horn of oil. It's being poured out tonight. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.